You're listening to Surfer vs. Planet, a wave changer podcast hosted by me, Tom Wilson. Each episode features inspiring talks from the creative space where surfing and sustainability meet. I'll be talking to surfers, designers, industry experts, and original thinkers, highlighting some of the fascinating work going on here in Australia and around the world with the aim of creating a greener, cleaner, and more responsible surfing industry. Wave Changer is a program of Surfers for Climate, and you can learn more about our work at wavechanger.org and surfersforclimate.org.au. The whole team at Wave Changer and Surfers for Climate acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to their elders past, present and emerging. I'd like to welcome Vanita Baravka to the Surfer vs. Planet podcast today. Vanita is the founder of Bumi, spelt B-H-U-M-I, who provide a range of sustainable and ethical products such as bedding, bath and clothing, made with an incredibly high standard of materials and craftsmanship. On the website, there's a quote that says, we are paving the way for a new era in the textile industry by offering premium products made from organically grown and ethically made cotton, creating a positive impact on the people and the planet. We encourage you to make thoughtful consumer purchases. I'm really fascinated to talk about this as I'm a big believer in learning from other industries to gain inspiration. Um, whether it's the materials, the production process, the designs, I think there's a lot to learn from outside of our own personal bubble. Um, in particular at Wave Changer and Surfers for Climate, we're primarily targeting surfers and the surfing world. But I'm sure there are topics we'll discuss today that will apply to our industry. Thanks for joining us, Vanita. How was your weekend? Did you get up to anything exciting? Thank you so much, Um Good morning. Thank you for having me. My weekend was great. Thank you. We've just come back from a recent trip to India. So we're all just buzzing with creativity and ideas. Um, but it's really exciting to be here because I think uh, it's important to talk about the impacts um, that we all have on the planet by the choices that we make in everything that we do. Great. What was happening in India? We, for the first time since COVID, we were able to go as a team um, to meet our extended family, we like to call it, over in India. So all our partners, our warehouses, our factories, our farmers. Um, and it was just really great to be back on the ground, talking to people again, seeing the processes and seeing the urgency, I think, and the excitement in a lot of uh, the dialogues we had in India around the environment and the extent to which there is a uh, a marked increase in global awareness of um, looking at how we can change things that are going on in the textile industry because I think it's such a huge industry that has an impact on the planet. Everything that we sleep on, anything that we buy, any item of clothing we wear, it has an imprint on the planet. So to be able to really see that change and that momentum gaining in India was absolutely fantastic. I'd like to kick off by asking if you can explain a little about Boomi to anyone who's new to your products and perhaps a little backstory of how it all began. Absolutely. Um, so Boomi means Mother Earth in Sanskrit um, and it began 
uh, a little while ago. Uh, initially, my background is in public health and I was a paediatric nurse, very different to the world I'm in now in, in retail. So what happened was I... Um, I love the aspect of health and well-being. And so when I was working with the children uh, and their families, I loved the idea of the talking health promotion. So I went on to do international public health. And um, my heart said, I really want to work in Africa, but the universe said other things. So I ended up working um, for quite a few years uh, on different projects, but across the belts in India, what are known as the suicide belts. Um, so the agricultural zones um, for cotton production. I felt like I was going in, I thought I knew a lot about, you know, organic um, food and the cosmetic industry. And so I thought, you know, I'm pretty, I, I know all these things. And I'm walking in, but literally with my blinkers on, um, not knowing the other side of the textile industry that is now we're hearing a lot more dialogue and we're seeing a lot more um, especially people asking the questions about where their products are made, how they're made. But back then it was very, it was unheard of. So I was going around the, these belts or these zones looking at health issues, but it was like an onion peeling back the layers that there was so much else going on that I didn't know. So it was literally just this, you know, months of groundbreaking moments where everything that I knew was shattered but it had to be rebuilt it was things that I was looking at of pesticide poisoning in children in adults the exposure to toxic fumes um, the runoff into the waterways the diseases that were coming out of that things that we weren't seeing or hearing about you usually you'd go in and you know talk about malaria and um, diarrheal diseases but we were seeing so many other things but it was all related to the one industry that's not talked about fashion and the textile world so by being on the ground and talking to a lot of people and gaining their trust, um, I was actually, it, it was mind-blowing. It just uh, opened up the whole world of the impact of the textile industry and what it was having on farmers. Um, the biggest one, I had no idea back then, but most of the cotton that is grown, even today the statistic is 95% of the world's cotton that is produced for the fashion industry is grown with GM seeds. So that's genetically modified seeds. And then the impact of that. So the seeds are very expensive for farmers. So they're, you know, unfortunately in a position where it's this debt trap cycle that they're trapped in. So they promise their future generations that they will still work in that loop. So there's bonded labour, there's child labour, it was staggering to hear the stories um, just because little children have very nimble, quick fingers for the picking of the cotton that, you know, busloads would come into villages at night and take the children to go and work. Some would not return. I was just, it was my whole world was just torn apart that these were the stories. You look at the hands of the workers, unfair working conditions, and it was it was like... Um, Everything that I thought I knew was completely taken from under my feet and I was pivoted to another direction of, okay, if this is what's going on, 
what are the alternatives? What's actually, what, what, what else is out there? So when we talk about the GM, the impact of that. So unfortunately, again, when we talk about conventional or regular cotton, it doesn't matter where it's grown in the world, it's grown with pesticides. And there are some companies that say they use fewer pesticides. It's not good enough. No pesticides. And it's it was through research and working with people and talking to people, finding out the alternatives and certified organic cotton of the strictest standards. So global organic textile standard is like the platinum standard for textiles. It's the only way that you can grow cotton or other fabrics, not everything, but without the use of pesticides. And it's possible. Um, I've just come back from a fantastic trip to India and it's incredible to see that we're going back to nature, what was used before, we're going back to it now, and it works. So we don't need the expensive genetically modified seeds. We don't need the pesticides. Then it comes to the world of toxic dyes. That was another eye-opening um, event because we were dealing with health issues of blood poisoning, lead poisoning, um, mortality rates in some villages, People didn't live beyond 40. And it's like, what's going on here? Um, children being born, um, stillborn uh, with cataracts, they're babies. They shouldn't be having this. So it was, again, pulling back all the layers and looking at what are the toxic exposures. And a lot of, a lot of it comes back to all these toxic chemicals, whether we're growing it or actually manufacturing a material or dyeing it. The toxic dyes around the world, the impact it's having on the land, the water, and the health of not only the people directly in, con in contact with it, but down to us as consumers, is staggering. So if we just take, for example, China, it's one of the biggest manufacturers for fast fashion. Um, in the documentary, the River Blue documentary, it clearly states that over 70% of the rivers are polluted and unfit for any direct human contact. Any form of water or river makes its way back to our oceans. So when it comes to looking at, I think there's a lot of dialogue around soil at the moment, which is really good, and people are aware that pesticides are being used. But when we look at our ocean, I don't feel that there's enough dialogue about what's happening to our fresh waterways. And unfortunately, the statistic is out there that over 20% of the freshwater pollution problems that we have in the textile industry that we have today is because of the textile industry. That's a lot. Globally, 20%, that's, that is a lot of pollution in the water. And the dialogue at the moment we're hearing is about um, plastic in the ocean, which is which is there and it's a horrible problem. But there's a lot of underrunning, again, that I think by being able to have this platform of awareness and dialogue to talk about what are the other issues that are going into our waterways, they're impacting our oceans. And I'd, I'd love to dive more into that and talk about that with you. To be clear, this is not about just change their light bulbs or to buy a hybrid car. This disaster has grown beyond the choices that individuals make. 
This is now about our industries and our governments around the world taking decisive, large-scale action. Now must be our moment for action. I've, I've written down some notes here. There's so much to talk about. Um, you know, just first of all, with the fabric industry uh, and textiles, there's so many products more than just clothing you know you're right the, the beddings curtains upholstered furniture and and the unseen things from the processing and the supply chain and the toxic dyes and the pesticides and the soil health and the waterways it's just it's all connected and it's um it's interesting how almost the the focus is not quite on the the bigger picture you know we we talk a lot about keep cups and plastic bags and plastic water bottles which are you know a, a problem and but I feel like, you know, the construction industry and the fashion world, I was just nodding my head at everything that you were saying. And it's it's the bigger problems, the, the bigger industries that really need to kind of wind in what they're doing. So um, it's, it's really interesting what you're doing. Yeah. You're so right. And I think that accountability, especially of the bigger industries and the bigger brands and players, is, needs to be there because... Um, there's no regulation at a lot of points with supply chains. And I think that's one of the biggest problems globally that we're seeing that when you the, the greenwashing out there is huge. It's almost like we're swimming in it. There's people, you, you look at ads and it talks about natural or um, where it's made, like, you know, might be Australian made or it's regular or all these words that people say, oh, okay, it must be good. Bamboo is another one. It's not. It's it's actually looking at the end product and then peeling that back, saying, what is it made from? Is it natural or synthetic? How was it made if it was synthetic? What processes had to go through? What chemical processes were there to make that product? How was it dyed? Who made it? And what's the supply chain? So I think one of the biggest things that I feel really excited about with Bumi is that we have a seed to shelf journey where we know exactly at every single touch point what is going on with strict third-party audits at any point in time um, because for us to especially when we look at the planet it comes together you've got um, the environment but then you've got uh, the people they exist together so we're all connected, as you said before. And if you do one process but not the other, there's no balance. So I feel that by being strict in looking at the kinds of fabrics that we work with, so Bumi only uh, works with uh, certified organic cotton and organic linen. And linen is another really interesting one. 99% uh, of the world's linen that's made for textiles is used with pesticides. Nobody talks about that. Everyone thinks linen, oh, it's good, good for the environment. It's it's a great fabric. I'll use it. I'll buy it. 1% of the global linen production is actually organic. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about certification, I think it's it's breaking it down and making it because it, it can be a minefield. It's very, um, especially with the greenwashing as well, it's peeling it back really simply. It's understanding okay what are the certifications because there's a lot of certifications out there that say the end product might be good 
and safe for human consumption. But it's all that middle point, the processing and the manufacturing, that has all these chemicals going back and a lot of it's disposed going back to the supply chains. People don't, they sign off and say, yes, we're doing all these greenwashing things and we're we're taking account, um, you know, uh, our fabrics and our recycled and uh, using recycled so-and-so. But if it's not a closed-loop system, which more often than not in the textile industry, it isn't, all of that is being disposed into landfill or waterways. I myself have seen toxic waterways that's just sludge. It, it, you, I don't know how, but livestock are feeding on it, people are bathing in it, trying to drink it. It shouldn't be thrown. We are we are this society that's become a throwaway society and all these things that we're producing for consumption, no one will go and show the pictures of where it's being dumped and what's happening because at the end of the day it's still making its way back into the land and our ocean and the impact is unbelievable. We're seeing it firsthand with everything that's going on with the climate crisis it's, it's because of everything that we're doing and it needs to stop. We as citizens need to stop and actually keep it simple by looking at something when we're going to buy it and say, is it something for the long run? And, again, asking those questions, what is it? How is it made? So I, I talked briefly about uh, bamboo, for example. So that falls in the synthetic fabric textile um Area. So you've got the natural and the synthetic. Natural is things like uh, cotton, organic cotton, organic linen, and hemp. When you have to break down a structure, for example, the beautiful bamboo plants that you see, and many are grown in organic plantations, that's fantastic. But to get that plant down into a soft fabric, the number of thousands of chemicals required to pulp it to get it into that beautiful feel of a soft fabric, it is frightening. And again, more often than not, not closed-loop systems, all these chemicals that are WHO has stated that so many of the chemicals that we find in the textile industry processing are so toxic, carcinogenic, hormone-disrupting, like we're even seeing it, say, with um, the marine life, if you look at when you talk about microplastics and it's you're looking at the impact on the marine life and that's endocrine disrupting, you're seeing all the same wording. It's looped back into actually also making the product. So we've got all these chemicals. It's this toxic sea of chemicals that we just release into the atmosphere, to the land and the water. And it's all coming back. It's coming back into um, the animals as well as humans. Yeah, it's all, oh, I mean, it's all very sad really, isn't it? I mean, the unseen steps of the manufacturing stage is something that I guess, unless you've been there and seen it like you have, we just don't know uh, the mm -hmm. effects. And, and that's really interesting about bamboo because I know it grows super quickly. It's almost like mm. a weed um, and it's very, very hard. So I can see how it's used for certain applications. But as a fabric, I was unaware of how um, how damaging that process is. So that's, that's mm. really interesting to know. 
And even on that note, so GOTS, which again is like the, after a lot of research, um, for me it's the platinum standard and GOTS won't certify a bamboo because of all the processing that has to go on and all the chemicals that are involved. Um, they won't. It's only uh, linen and cotton and now hemp is coming on into the industry, but they won't certify bamboo. That's fascinating because, you know, I guess to the untrained eye, you could look at a material and just say, oh, it's great. It's natural. It's, uh, yes. but then there's the process behind it, which as you say, we just, we're not really seeing, especially if it's yes. offshore and it's done uh, unregulated. Um, Absolutely. And I, I wanted to ask, um, can you tell us what sets Boomi apart from other products on the market? Yeah. Um, we are really excited because, Again, when we look at the seed to shelf journey, we want to be able to tell our consumers that at any point in time, there is a touch point and a regulation. So we are constantly on the ground seeing what's going on. Um, and I think that's a really important part to know that when you buy a product from Bumi, that there is a seed to shelf journey and you know what's going on at each stage. We are very passionate about the environment, but from all angles, whether it's air, land or water. And so we make sure that we only work with GOT certified organic materials. So this ensures that absolutely zero pesticides are used. I had the most um, interesting time in India helping make the natural pesticides that go on into the fields. Um, and we're going to work on... Um, a short video to show that, that it's using ancient techniques. And I think that's the beautiful thing that we're going back to ancient wisdom. And so we're using neem leaves, um, marigolds, all these amazing natural products, just plucking it off the trees in these big bags and just making, crushing it all with our hands and making the mixture ourselves that have their own antibacterial properties, the marigold flower, the humble marigold that we see on a lot of, you know, Bollywood films and all of that, it's actually, actually planted in between and around every crop of cotton because it has its own um, aura that pests naturally repel away from it. And it's like, wow, this gorgeous orange flower that I've seen from you know, since I was born, whether it was at a temple or on a movie, um, it actually has such incredible properties. Um, and I think that's something we will be doing a lot, especially after this trip this year, talking about other plants and properties and how we need to turn back to nature to address things that we might be coming up against, whether it's pests or, you know, um, some itchy skin, dermatitis, it's a big one in the in the health industry. A lot of people come to us because they have suffered, whether as a child or right through to an adult, itchy skin when they go to sleep um, or they, they feel hot and sweaty. And the skin is it's such an amazing organ on our body that it takes nine seconds when your skin is warm for anything you put onto it to leach right into your bloodstream, directly into the bloodstream. So if you think, what am I sleeping in at night? What am I exposing my external skin as well as internal? What is it being exposed to? 
it's really it's a fascinating uh, journey for people. And usually, we, we when we have that dialogue and talk to people, we'll say try certified organic cotton. And tell us how you feel when you sleep at night because you're not getting the toxic dyes. So with GOTS, again, that umbrella, we don't use any toxic dyes, any toxic pesticides, no toxic fertilisers. So there's no harmful chemicals that are harmful to the planet or the people at any stage. So I think that's one of our biggest things, being able to give that assurance to consumers a 1,000% that that is what we're doing. And with that, especially under GOTS, another big thing is ethical labour practices. So unfortunately, um, with the textile industry, a lot of child labour and unfair uh, labour practices are happening to date and we don't want to be a part of that. We, we, we really think the textile industry needs a revamp. People need to know what's going on not only from the environmental angle but as well as the human angle um, and about the impact of GM and the costs and the suicides, um, we need to talk about it because it's affecting people. And I would like to think that when I choose something, I know that what I've purchased hasn't hurt somebody and it hasn't hurt the planet. So that's where my our, our guiding forces are around the environment and the people. Um, and one big thing that we're doing across uh, everything that we work with um, is looking at impact stats and um, even our factories, uh, they're all solar panel. Like we saw the installation go up recently. It's incredible how much power from the sun is harnessed to power these factories. It was, we couldn't believe it. None of us could speak for a while because we thought, we saw all the machines running, we saw everything going on, and we could not believe it's solar panelled, solar powered. Fantastic. It was just unbelievable. So to be involved in things like that is incredible. Um, the other thing we love working with, so people often ask us, but cotton is quite intensive when it comes to water consumption. Yes, it is. But that's cotton that's with pest grown with pesticides. Certified organic cotton uses much less water. And the water that we harness is from monsoons. So we're working with nature, not against nature. So we went and visited all of these unbelievable um, vats where monsoon rain is stored. And it's just lovely to be able to say that everything that we do from now on, whether it's the textile industry or any other industry or just how we grow our food or what we do, Work with nature, work with her because it will provide. The storage of the rain was unbelievable and it was just fantastic to see that that's going into the crops as well as into the actual processing and making of the cotton and the dyes um, that are all plant-based. So the other beautiful thing um, when we talk about closed-loop systems is seeing when you've got Naturally, when you've got the dyeing process, you do have the, the chemical or the, the waste of that. And that is usually what is dumped into waterways. And most of the time it's toxic. But with our plants and certified organic, it's using the GOTS approved dyes and plant-based dyes. So it's not toxic. But we're going that extra step to in-house, convert that 
back into clean water that's pumped back into the whole process. So it starts again. And that was just incredible to see that that's how we need to do things. And that's what's the problem in the world, which is why we're seeing so much of that waste being dumped into our rivers, dumped into the waterways, making its way back and affecting sea life and then us again as consumers. That's really interesting. And, and it's reassuring to hear about going back to nature and that example about the marigolds. That's so cool. And I think that I'm sure you'll agree there's a lot to learn from Indigenous communities and their connection to land. Mm. It is important that we subscribe to the requirements of nature. I noticed on your website that your products are made using crop rotation methods. And this is actually something that I found really interesting as I think it's a great example of how a renewable resource can be managed to produce materials that have a much, much lower impact on the environment. Um, can you explain how this process works for Boomi? Absolutely. So with our crop rotation, um, it's based, again, around the seasons um, of when the cotton yields are over. They, we will work with um, different means for the farmers to have another income and a lot of the time it's with rice. So during the monsoon season when there's a lot of rain and the areas are flooded, rice grows. So we will um, swap out the cotton for rice paddies and it's, it's beautiful to see. Um, once that season is over, then we start again with different vegetables, different plants. So it's just constantly moving working with the seasons and working with different crops so that farmers still have uh, sustainable, viable um, options for having produce. Um, but then in a certain period of time, it's after the monsoon season is over, there's a few months where the cotton grows. So we just keep rotating the crops around that, around the, the seasons and the cycles of the seasons and different vegetables um, and root vegetables that we work with um, to... Also, then some of those vegetables are used in the natural pesticides. Um, so it's it's a fantastic little system that we've got going that looks at always keeping the land fertile and using the seasons and the rain um, without ever overusing any one particular resource that we need for that particular crop. No, that's really interesting. Um, and I, I recommend anyone listening to check out your website as it's really inspiring to see all the environmental and social elements of your whole business model. And with regards to the social side of things, um, what have you put in place for the workers and the farmers that sets you apart from other manufacturers? This is a really uh, passion project of mine. And I love working with the companies that we do work with to ensure that there are not only fair working conditions and no child labour, but that all workers have access for their children to go to school. So a big thing um, in many rural parts of India is um, access to education. And it's very important for any child anywhere in the world to have an education. So I think having that and seeing that in front of us, knowing that boys and girls 
go to school and have access to a good school education, P to 12, is a big part um, of why we do what we do at Bumi. And on top of that, um, all workers, whether they're farmers or working actually in the factories, have access to healthcare, which is another big part that's a problem in many areas or um, many factories that aren't fair trade or you know, working under ethical conditions. There's no access to healthcare or education for children. There's also further education with our staff members, and it's amazing to see that every single one of them want to further their educational skill set, and those opportunities are provided, which is fantastic. But I think one of the biggest ones for me is making sure that the future leaders, which are the children of the world, have a world to live in that is safe, that has that is healthy that they are healthy so making sure that they have access to health and education is one of the biggest um biggest areas of mine that i'm excited to work with partners on the ground in india to do that that's great it sounds like you've checked a lot of boxes in terms of the whole process and i don't know if you surf or not but based on your experience with materials and manufacturing do you have any advice for the surfing industry with the environmental and social themes that you've touched upon? Yeah, um, I don't surf, but I love watching it. Um, I love the ocean. Um, I have a very deep connection with the ocean and the moon. They're two guiding forces for me in my life, and I turn to them whenever I need to. Um, I just feel for the surfing community uh, as well as the broader community, just understanding what textiles we're working with, you're wearing, you're drying yourself off with, just knowing the impact of that in the ocean is really important. So I think with the textile industry, knowing that whatever you're wearing or the towels that you're using, just ask the question, what's it made of? How is it made? And what's the impact on the ocean? So, again, going back to the freshwater pollution, the there are so many pivot points to ask yourself the question of how is it grown? So if it's using pesticides, it's harming the ocean. How is it made? If it's a synthetic material or got a blend of a synthetic material, it's hurting the ocean because of the chemicals. Knowing what dyes were put into it, if it's not got certified dyes, it's hurting the ocean. And then looking at, again, the type of material when you wash it, so we're talking about microplastics being released into the ocean, knowing that especially if it's synthetic or it's got that blend, it's going to hurt the ocean because 35% of the microplastic pollution comes from the textile industry and the waste. So especially with synthetic fibres, which is, predominantly what's used in the fast fashion industry. So if we're aware of the textiles we come into contact with and when we touch the ocean, when we when we jump in the ocean, when we're surrounded by her beauty, understanding how have I made an impact on it to make sure she's better and she's healthier is a great starting point. Wow, 35% of microplastics are from the textiles industry. That's that's um, alarmingly high. Mm. I'd like to ask your thoughts on the climate crisis and 
and perhaps even the, the plastic crisis as well. And whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about the future, and do you think things can be reversed? And are we on the right path? This is a really hard one. Um, I have an 11-year-old daughter, and I try and be as optimistic as I can because she absolutely loves the earth. She's a little earth warrior, as many children I meet are. So I try to be optimistic, but um, I'm worried. I'm very worried about where we are and looking at what's happening around the world from a climate perspective. Um, I do wonder, are we too late? But it doesn't mean we stop. If we spread enough awareness, if we join hands and make enough noise to talk about the industries that are affecting our planet, there may be hope. So that's where I feel that we need to join hands more, we need to talk more, we need more dialogue, we need more awareness around the industries that are directly impacting. So even from a CO2 emissions perspective, the textile industry is the third largest contributor to CO2 emissions. That's shocking. We need to change that. And we can when we know what's going on, when we know about the textiles that we're using, we're working with, we're sleeping in, we're wearing, when we make enough noise and if we spread that, we may be able to turn things around. I share your your thoughts there. I, I often, sometimes I, I also have a daughter and I feel worried, but also angry. I, I feel myself getting angry sometimes about, how we're just not respecting our home you know we wouldn't yeah. trash our own lounge or our bedrooms and and if we do we tidy up pretty quick but planet earth is our home really and it's a mm. shame that that respect for nature has been clouded i think by sort of money and growth and and greed um and i i think that you know the materials and the production methods that you've talked about are fantastic i think the mindset needs to change from consumers mm. um because mm. right now we just I feel like we have a, a hardwired urge to buy stuff. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. if we're bored, yeah. we buy stuff. We just constantly feel like we need to buy. And that's maybe marketing telling us that mm. we've always got to buy stuff. And it's all this stuff that we're buying mm. ends up somewhere. Okay, this last section is called Hang Five. Five quick fire questions. And if you can just give a quick answer, what first got you interested in your environmental journey? Seeing uh, the people in India and the farmers and the suicides. I can imagine that's a pretty powerful thing to see. Um, who inspires you the most from the environmental movement? Edinburgh. Yeah, what a legend. It's going to be a sad day when he passes away. And he's I don't want to. Oh, I cried the minute he walked out on the stage when he came to Australia just to feel his presence. It was just beautiful. That, but... Even his voice, though, now when you hear him, there's that, that there's that plea that what are we doing? You can feel it. It makes you sad. <sighs> What's the coolest response to the environmental crisis that you've seen? I love Greenpeace and their detox campaign when it comes to the textile industry. Um, they've been They've been on that for years, and I love following it, but it needs amplification. We all need to talk more about it yeah greenpeace are doing such amazing work what's your favorite marine animal shark and 
finally, in our bid to save the planet, can you give a short sentence to inspire others to keep going? I think spend more time in nature. If we spend more time in nature, we'll appreciate her beauty. We'll appreciate the silence. I think we're too consumed with noises, screens, phones, too many um, distractions. We need to step that step away from that, pull ourselves into nature, appreciate being in her presence, and that should hopefully inspire us to be better and do better. Wise words. Thank you for your time, Vanita. That was great chatting. I feel like I've learned a lot and it's really fascinating to hear about what you're doing at Boomi and how those lessons can be applied elsewhere to other industries, such as the surfing industry, but anywhere really, and even how businesses can adopt your mindset and just think a little bit differently about how things are run. So your website is um, www.boomi.com.au and I recommend checking it out just to learn some stuff, really. There's some really interesting content on there as well as the products themselves. So yeah, thanks for your time, Vanita, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to support our work at WaveChanger, head over to our website at wavechanger.org and we hope you'll consider buying a membership for our WaveChanger Club which features giveaways, entries into our monthly draw with amazing prizes and access to a bunch of great discounts from our partner brands. Your support allows us to expand our impact and make an even bigger difference to safeguarding our planet. See you next time.